Good morning. Happy Thursday. Today is August the 24th, and I'm your host, Ram Christopher. And I'm Kyle Christopher. And this is Everything's Political. Welcome to episode two. Today, you're in for quite a treat. We have some interesting topics, as usual, but we're going to be starting off with the GOP debate takeaways. Definitely. And then we're going to move into a little bit more about a certain guy that was in the debate. The Vec, Ram Swamy. And we have a couple of local stories coming out of the New York area as well. And we, of course, we have a WTF moment for you. A Florida man story that... Uh, well, might it, knock your socks off. Little, yeah. Little bananas. These <laughs> knees type stuff. So let's get into it. All right, that GOP debate. What did you think about it, Kyle? I mean, to just keep it really simple, it was the world versus Vivek. Oh, okay. Do tell. Do tell. I felt like every candidate was um, trying to get off their best ammunition on their best uh, topic or issue against Vivek. You know, you had uh, Pence going after the experience, which I thought was ridiculous um, if you if you really go into it. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little deeper as well. And you had, you know, I guess Nikki Haley with the foreign policy and you had other people with whatever issue or... or um, Christy for one, really, right? He, well, I really mean, Christy, went, he, was, he got nippy with him. Everything. And I, mean, he, <laughs> I think he went above and beyond as far as that I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah, so it, it did look like Vivek was a little bit of the whipping boy. We had talked about it yesterday where we thought he was going to bring the action. And I do think he still did bring that thunder, right? Oh, I mean, he 100% is the action guy. He's the guy... That you're gonna watch the debate for if 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 you're not a a, Dem- a Republican voter, he's the guy that's gonna keep you entertained. Um, he's the one that's gonna the the sound bites and everything else that's generated. The best sound bites came against him or from him. Right. So he's this cycles Donald Trump to some extent, right? I think he will be indefinitely because I, I don't believe Donald Trump will make a debate stage whether or not he is accepted as a candidate or not. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, honestly, you know, listening to some of the outcomes and like some of the results and what people thought about the debate, it looked like a lot of people still thought Trump won overall. <laughs> what do you make of that? He didn't even touch the debate stage at all. Well, I think that um, part of it is because of Vivek's strong performance and Vivek being that surrogate. Um, you know, what would have Trump done in that situation? He would have obliterated them. And I think another thing that... Um, the visual of that debate. Um, everybody's short. Everybody's really short. I don't know how tall Ron DeSantis is, but I mean, DeSantis and, and Ramaswamy were definitely the two tallest people there, or at least that's how they made it look. And it seems like Trump would have towered over all of them, and that would have been a big problem um, because, again, visuals are very important. Just as um, you know, just as much as everything else that goes into being a president, the visuals are very important. Um, look at our last few presidents; they haven't been exactly slouches even joe biden as much as people make fun of him he was doing push-ups there's a reason why he was doing push-ups it wasn't just to show that people he was like healthy. a strong was, man it's sex appeal too yeah people like a strong man and women like that sex appeal um i mean men like that sex appeal as well right um so we so we're looking now we have a a, a field of eight people that were on stage yesterday vivek obviously he kind of stole the show not only because he was the whipping boy to some degree but he was also very much um able to combat all of the the fire coming at him but he also you know he has this way of being snarky that is just very confident and 
in, in a way, some people would say boastful, but I think that it's like what you need in order to make it sure because you, you know you have to be confident to run for president, right? You definitely have to be confident, but I definitely think that he faded a little bit um, with some of the criticism from Nikki Haley. Um, mm. He was... Uh, um, but, you know, that was a moment. I think that, for the most part, he was a very strong um, orator. He was very strong as far as all of his, uh, his his statements, as far as what he was going in to say and what... You know what he rehearsed and what he and what he had ready to go. Yeah, it seems if it seems like the GOP really has uh, picked him as the winner. From what I was listening to, following the debate, a lot of the younger uh, GOP voters were definitely feeling the Vivek fever or whatever you want to call it. Um, but right. so, I personally differ from that opinion. Um, why's that? And here's here's why. I think that he was great um, in, in terms of. Of showmanship, he has that ability. He has the ability to get the sound bites. But if you're looking for an actual leader, I think the person that really showed up on that stage last night was Mike Pence. And he did so in a way that I was not expecting. Now, I told you from the beginning that I think Mike Pence would probably nab the nomination for the Republican Party. (laughs) Well, I mean, yesterday we definitely... um, (laughs) Talked about how brave and how bold Mike Pence is, so I'm not surprised that he stepped it up because when you really think about it, coming out of January 6th, he definitely is a changed man. Mm-hmm. They really tried to kill him. It's he, not like he was shook. It's right? not like it's not like oh, I almost died. It's like no, if they had found me, I would have died. Yeah, that's not a almost died. It's like I would have I would have died. So it's a, a life changing situation, and I think that some of that confidence is coming from that. Like they didn't get me, and I'm here. Yeah, and I really, like, listen. Like, it's like that little Dirk song. They try to get me. I never really, <laughs> listen, I've never been a Pence fan at all, but last night I say he really resonated with me with the fact of what he was saying about standing up for the Constitution. He said that he he was basically speaking about Trump when he was like, Trump wanted me to choose him over the Constitution, and I chose the Constitution, and I chose my God. And I'm like, that is very, like, noble words, whether you believe them or not. But that's like a really, like, that's strong leadership. And I mean, but where was his leadership when he decided to run as Donald Trump's running mate? Um, where was his leadership when he said nothing, when Trump said so much? And even if he did believe some of it, he knew better than not to, like, to not say it. You're right. You're right. I, look, I'm just, I was judging it on a case-by-case basis. But I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, Mike Pence had a great showmanship. So much so that Chris Christie even stepped in to defend him. And you saw how he defended him last night, right? Well, I mean, Chris Christie was all over the place. And I think that, um, <laughs> you know, Vivek definitely hit the nail on the head that, you know, him and Pence, to a degree, are running a campaign of vengeance. And you definitely saw that. Like, we were watching the CNN breakdown and they had like a little poll of Iowa voters I think it was 14 or 15 voters and they mm-hmm. it skewed pretty young and um those young voters definitely felt as if Pence and and uh Christy DeSantis oh, oh you're talking about oh when they, they teamed they, up they, yeah. and they were trying to get revenge and I definitely when it was said I definitely agreed and I definitely felt that before it was even said um oh, of course you would you're such a millennial <laughs> 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 I'm the oldest possible millennial there is not. I'm not sure about that. It depends on how you count it. But either way, um, I think that um, you have that narrative that is going to be, you know, Trump is definitely going to paint them that way, whether or not he's on the stage or not, whether or not it's going to be, I don't know how he's going to get it because I believe that um, one of those lawsuits is definitely, or one of those uh, criminal cases those is definitely, yeah. going to block him from using social media 
um, that Rico case in Georgia most likely because uh, that was one of the ways he influenced it and he committed the you know racketeering or organized crime or I don't know the exact inside uh, the yeah, details we don't of know that, that but of that indictment I didn't get to read it as yet but I will read it and we will talk more about that in a future episode but um as far as that goes um you know I think that there is the revenge factor for Christy of course it is and, but listen I mean <laughs> being realistic like Pence was a real political person he's somebody that has been in office he's a real law person he's a real law man and he went down a road that was beyond beyond anything that anybody that is uh, a, a constitutional man or a man uh, with morals would do. So he wants to redeem himself. And I don't necessarily think, it, think it's about revenge. I think it's about redemption because he doesn't like want to be that. He doesn't want to go out on that note. Well, I don't know if uh, Mike Pence is listening, but I think you're writing some material right there. <laughs> it's not revenge. It's redemption. Hey, it is redemption. Like He's like, look, it's never too late to be a better person and <laughs> he's trying to be a better person well, and, and and save save face i, I think. mean i can't disagree with you obviously america has been dubbed the land of second chances so you know a second chance for mike pence i don't know if i would ever give him one i don't know if well I the gop ever, uh, but i'm not i'm not your typical gop voter i'm not a gop voter to begin with well look if the gop wants to be saved they better go ahead and pick him that's what i'm going to tell you because he's the best thing they got on that stage nikki haley what's she gonna do she looked like an angry person the whole time going after Vivek. And I thought it was very, like, telling of her to go after the only other person that shares her ethnicity. I think it was just strange. Well, I'm not even sure if they share the same ethnicity because it's, like, one of those weird things where they're so they're ethnicities within being Indian, kind okay, of. Okay, well, let me not speak on things I don't know anything of. Obviously, you do. You are the resident Indian in this place. So. I'm, not in, I'm, not, I'm not Indian. I'm, I'm, my mom happens to be Indian, but I, I don't identify as that. I just identify as... Uh, Regular black. <laughs> You're not regular black. Oh, man. Okay. Well, let's just move beyond that. Um, the idea, I think, with Nikki Haley is that she's not running as president for president. She's running for vice president, and she's running to be a battering ram for the president to, uh, you know, for her for her future, uh, you know, partner or her future uh, running mate. Um, she's showing that she can go up against Vivek and, and Trump, and she's the one that's willing to criticize them. And be the person, and she also offers a shield, um, which would be hard for a lot of those people because we already saw Chris Christie get tangled up in that, in mm. that, in, in that, you know, the, the 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 tangle, the brush of what Vivek Ramaswamy is, mm-hmm. and how that can play out over a course of many debates, and how these people will be dubbed racist, and Donald Trump won't because Donald Trump will have. Vivek, cover. he has. Cover. I think I think that Vivek already kind of is brings him cover. Brings him cover, but he's also the front runner to be if Trump is the candidate, the vice president. Vice president, yeah. Oh well, you know, like well, some well, you mentioned to me if he's not going to be vice president, he'll at least land a job on Fox, right? <laughs> oh, hundred percent. I definitely think that like Vivek um, is done with being a CEO and he's a public persona at this point in time. That's that's all that's left for him, and and it's it's going to be a very lucrative. Um, job for him. The guy's um, a billionaire, though. So I don't know if he's a billionaire. That's but he, what they say because he sold his um, he sold his pharmaceutical company, which was for Alzheimer's, and um, it went public well, in 2021. Speaking more about Vivek, like I don't know, I, I call him an action guy, and that's like a term that um, my late father used to use for um, Donald Trump and certain people, and it wasn't necessarily a term of endearment. 
it, it just means that you're exciting. Oh, okay. I thought, like, you, I thought you were a fan there for a no, minute. No, 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 no. I think that, um, you know, obviously he's entertaining, but entertaining isn't always the right thing. It always isn't. It, not, it doesn't always mean that, you he's know, certainly qualified you agree as far with the as, person. He's certainly qualified as far as credentials go. Harvard, Yale. Oh, definitely. Businessman. Definitely. Successful businessman. Definitely. I think he qualifies and it's really crazy. You know, going back to what I was saying with, um, he's an action guy. He's going to say the crazy stuff, but let's go back to the brush because that was something that we were going to talk about and that. That was something that, um, um, Christie's crazy candor last night, or what he was making all these accusations about Vivek being similar to Obama. I think that was a statement. I think that was a statement. Okay, yeah, that was very saucy. I was thinking that was <coughs> that was a little bit um, outrageous. Some of the right. That so he said. I'll read it off for you guys. <clears throat> I've had enough enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like Chat GPT. Chat GPT. Another skinny guy with a funny last name, Barack Obama. And, you know, Ramaswamy was quick on his his feet with that. And it was uh, incredible what happened um, in that moment because you heard people start to boo. And that wasn't something that I expected. Yeah, they were jeering, which was uh, not expected for for a crowd of GOP people. Um, No offense. Uh, it's not something that would have probably happened prior. They would have been like cheering because Christie was making uh, remarks against Obama. So it looks like they care more about protecting the Donald Trump legacy than to go against uh, Obama at this point. So it's, it's, it's interesting the turn that the GOP has made um, and the priorities, rather. Right? Well, I don't know if it's necessarily protecting um, Trump or... Protect- but it has to because I feel like... They're a package deal at this point. Vivek and... Because he's the only one that hasn't said anything negative about Trump. He always is very careful to never poke the bear. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, definitely. I think that, you know, 100% he's, he was Trump's surrogate on the stage. And that, you know, I can agree on that point. But what, where I, you know, diverge on that is that... I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm not an island. I'm not from the Midwest. You were from the Midwest to a degree, if mm-hmm. you want to call Oklahoma the Midwest. We're the South, but, you know, I've spent time in Iowa. Right, definitely. You were on what campaign was that? <laughs> Bernie Sanders. We've come a long way, y'all. Okay. Definitely. So, your organizer on Bernie Sanders in Iowa. I was an Iowa. organizer. Direct, yeah, either way. It what was matter. it? It, it was a little higher up than that. What was the title? Uh, uh, regional field director. Regional field director in Iowa. So, you know a little bit something about Iowa then. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. On Bernie Sanders, a presidential campaign now. Yes. Okay. I don't know anything about Iowa, but I would think that they were not, they were booing not because they were not racist per se. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> but it, it might be that maybe the association with Barack Obama is bad. Mm. And they don't like that. Yeah, they don't want him to be associated with, with Barack Obama. Obama. And I think that's what Chris Christie was trying to do, associating with Barack Obama. And, you know. They didn't like it. Well, it's I mean, great that they could, like, differentiate. Yeah, if Vivek was quick on his feet, he he dove into that and said, hey, a hug from you will get me elected, just like how it got Obama elected. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was definitely a, a good turn, a good a, a good uh, um, counter from Ramaswamy. But ultimately, like, it was one of those moments where it shows the danger of a Ramaswamy for even somebody as polished as Chris Christie. And, Chris Christie, I know he doesn't necessarily come off as a polished politician, 
But the fact of the matter is, is that he was a governor of New Jersey. There are tons of Indians in New Jersey. Yeah. There are tons of black people in New Jersey. Yeah. It's a very diverse state. To win it as a Republican, you still have to have that New York PC, that smoothness about you, about you where no one would assume that you're, or at least openly say you're a racist. Like right. You, and, he, and his remarks came off really like that. I, I was surprised to see that from him, honestly, because I didn't, I've never heard that kind of thing from him. Definitely, definitely, and 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 there's there's the jealousy too, yeah. Because you know, Christie went to Seton Hall for yeah. law school, and you know, obviously, I was going to these elitist things, but um, you know, Ramaswamy went to Yale. Yeah. So you know, is he really not that qualified? Like, I'm sure he understands the Constitution. Yeah. I'm sure he understand. He's capable of. Getting up to speed. Well, he seemed to be very competent, and he was running circles around a lot of them on the stage last night. So definitely, but um, ultimately, I think that um, as much as we, I can sing his praise in the light of that racism, I still think he's bad for the country. Why is that? He's a demagogue. He's saying what he thinks will get him elected. Will get him elected. He's taking MAGA. He's you know, gonna try to coalesce with some of the some of the elitists and try to make that you know bring back some of the neocons back into the fold. And we saw and, what happened the last. And that's why you know, <laughs> and, and and Christie and Pence are the neocon you know candidates at this point in time. And that's why I think they were so you know out there for him. And you know, he took that MAGA flag from DeSantis. Yeah. DeSantis didn't know what the hell was happening. Like, so, <laughs> you know, it's a poor performance from somebody I expected more from. I know you said DeSantis was going to take it to be. Yeah, I thought he was going to be a better debater. I told you. I had yeah. never seen him in the debate. So, you know, I, I just assumed. And I guess that's the elitist in me. I was like, oh, yeah, he went to these great schools. So he's going to be good. And he was <laughs> trash. He was absolutely trash. And I was know, just like, where is, where is, where is Ron DeSantis? DeSantis? How is he standing center stage? And like, why am I like, I don't even know. Yeah. It was Chris Christie, Vivek, it was Pence, Vivek, it was Haley. Haley, Vivek, and that was the whole thing. I don't even, I can't even, like, if you asked me this morning when I got up who else was in the debate, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't, I couldn't tell the you. The and the other guy, I don't before know. Before my morning coffee, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you those names. Mm-hmm. And we do this as a profession, so that's really bad. Right. So, you know, that's what we have so far on the debate. Um, Overall, what's your analysis on Vivek? Let's just go ahead and wrap that up really quick with a nice bow. I think Vivek is a blanket, and it's the same thing. That's why they don't want, you know, the Iowans, in my opinion, don't want him to be put in the same box as as Barack Obama, because he's a blanket where they can put them, put you know, put cast him over their shoulders and say, "Hey, I'm not a racist because I voted for Vivek." Yeah, and what do you think is the problem? It's like one of the things that one of the most controversial things with Vivek is the fact that he said that. Brown people can't be racist. Well, Indians can't be racist. He's like, I can't be racist. I'm brown, and I'm I'm a, I'm a son of immigrants. What what are your takes well, on that? Because as you're a son, a, yeah. a son of immigrants that happens to be half Indian and half black, I categorically disagree with Vivek in spirit. Technically, he is correct in words, in my estimation. Indian people in America cannot be racist. They can be prejudiced. They do not have the keys to the systems of control and power in America. Uh, but I think that they are very prejudiced and I've seen it in my own family and maybe that's my own experience talking, but I've seen it otherwise too because there are times I, I know, you know, bit phrases in, in, in certain um, 
uh, Indian languages and I know, you know, high and by and stuff like that. And when I use those terms with people, how they change and how their perception of me changes that are Indian. So I felt it across mm-hmm. the board. So I, and I, you know, I'm happy. My mother's Indian. I love Indian people. I love my mother. Right, and I'm go- I sounded like Vivek right now, <laughs> but ultimately I think that we've ex- I've experienced it enough to know that like yes, Indian people there definitely is a prejudice, mm-hmm. and I think every group is capable of prejudice. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that you, you it, don't the- think they can be racist because you don't think that they hold any institutions. Right, so if you're in a country that's Indian, Indian people can be racist, and I think that you definitely see that in India. Like you know, they're racist against other groups. And they're prejudiced against other groups that and are... And normally complexion goes into it right, and all that, and right? And they have colorism just like us in, to a worse extent in India. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, you definitely have that and it's there. Um, it's just a matter of um, identifying it. I mean, let's just... Let's, let's peel back a layer right here real quick because how you and I met and one of the reasons why we clicked is because of that feeling. But, you know, what do you have to say about it? Well, look, I don't, I can't really judge when I'm not Indian, um, but I definitely have experienced prejudice from people that were brown, not just Indian, but other brown people as well. Um, and I do think that prejudice does exist. And I don't think that because you're a person of color, I got air quotes going on here, that you somehow are absolved of being um, prejudiced or also, I would even go as far as this. I know that you think that racism can't apply to you because you say that we, like you're saying that a son of immigrant that is brown doesn't hold any institutional keys. I don't necessarily agree because the doors that were open for him, you said Harvard, Yale, right? He is actually in those institutions of power. And when you get into those institutions of power and you keep black people out, you are also um, operating under the guise of racism. So you might not say that they have it all as a, a people as a whole, but individuals are able to be racist. So it's like... Um, when they but get are you being racist system. or are you just upholding a system because they let you through? Yeah, I mean, it's all one and the same, though. That's the whole point, right? Like, because racism is a part of the institution because, like, even black people can do it. Like, you could be an operator within racism and you could be, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah, you have your own personal prejudice and biases, but I still think that you can also be operating under the guise of racism. So when he made that statement, that was one thing that was a little off-putting about him for me. Like, I'm a little bit of a fangirl there. With Vivek. I'm not a Republican, but like he was saying some things that I liked. Um, you know, I've, you know, I, I like to look at candidates and hear what they have to say um, as a whole, and I can be impressed with their resume. And I think that some of the things that he said about like Big Pharma um, and other things with the education system were very good. So just to go back and pull it in, I think that you can be um, racist. Um, especially if you climb to the heights that he's climbed to and you operate with your prejudice um, about a certain groups. Um, but that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> well, <So. laughs> I mean, going back to Big Pharma, that's the whole the whole thing. Um, you know, on Twitter, a hashtag was uh, trending about him. And can you guess what it is? What is it? Pharma Swampy. Pharma Swampy. Oh, okay. So... You know, you might ask yourself, what is that about? What, what, what are we talking about? Um, and it really is an interesting little thing. And I ran into this stuff and I was like, well, is this true? And it turns out it's true. So, Vivek edited his Wikipedia page before this all started. Mm. And what he doesn't want you to know about is 
First off, he received a Soros Fellowship while he was already a multimillionaire. Mm. Second, he was on the Ohio COVID-19 response team. Wow. He has close ties with scientists who pioneered the mRNA vaccine. Are you serious? He's so anti-vax though. And he paid to have all of that removed from Wikipedia. Oh. And that's why I'm saying this guy's a demagogue. Yeah. What? He was was a liberal up until a week ago. Oh my goodness. Like Bobby Schmurter says. What did I say? I told you though. I told you there was a reason why I liked him in the beginning. And I was like, there's something about him that's super elitist. And I don't buy that he's actually what he's saying that he is. So he's a wolf in sheep's clothing for the GOP. So you agree with me now? I agree with you. He is. Or agree He's with, very good. Agree but, with me until you check my readings. Hey, but hold on. Wait a second. Maybe Christy had was on to something a little bit there. Because he is more akin to an Obama than a Trump. Maybe so. Maybe so. But um, I think that's all we have on that today. I can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to wrap it there. We're, we're going we're we're gonna to move on to our local stories. Uh, so let's go on, let's get into that dean out in Queens who raped the 14-year-old. We mentioned it in the last... Um, episode. Um, so that woman. So her name is Melissa Rockenzies. I don't know how it's pronounced. I haven't heard it on the news, so I'm only only read it. And uh, she's a Queens middle school teacher who also is a dean. And she pled guilty to the charges. And she started to groom the teenager on social media in September. And that's a 14 year old. That's just so, to remind yeah, you. Yeah, he was like a senior at that school, whatever you want to call it, um, at that junior high school. And she's a mother of three. And they have some of the um, correspondence, obviously, on social media between the two. And she and they accused her of having sex acts with the boy in her car several times. And she was one of the, the victim's summer school teachers and counselors and started meeting with a teen in her car, allegedly, as of September 2022. So, and she also has several, like, blog posts about you know, relationships and relationship advice for these kids that are 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And she's the one you said before that said that kids could give consent just to remind you all. Yeah, she had another, like, some kind of, like, blog post about how kids can consent to touch as minors. Um, And it's just... um, The ultimate groomer. She is a disgusting person as a mother. Like, come on. I definitely think that, um, you know, this is an easy story for us because we both agree, but it's just a ridiculous story. And, you know, all those things no are ridiculous, bell? but yeah. That's... No bell? So are we saying that this is a right. so you got arrested. Crime? You got arrested for raping a kid and they released you on your own reconnaissance. That is crazy. And this is in New York, so. Of course. I mean, and that's like, when we talk about these bail laws... And we talk about what's going on in New York. This is exactly what we don't want to see. Is someone that is accused of raping a child. They have digital evidence. Where does she live in Massapequa? She's a rich white woman. And she's getting she's being freed. After doing bodily harm to a child. And like, and whether or not you're like, oh, well, he's 14 years old. I mean, when did it start? And how many other people has she messed with? And then actually, like, he's 14. That's enough. It doesn't matter. Like, that's still a minor. That's not consenting. <coughs> that's not a consenting age in the state. Definitely not. And it's uh, it's just a sad state of affairs for New York as far as, um, you know, and that's why certain people are looking at the GOP. Certain people are looking somewhere else because... That kind of leadership is no leadership at all. 
where we end up with those type of, of, of results at, at, you know, at uh, granted, it's not a final hearing. It's not a, it's not a judgment, but we need to make it known that this is something serious. This isn't something, this isn't, uh, you were drinking outside of the corner store. You were, you know, jaywalking. You were, you know, you shouldn't be arrested for jaywalking, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, people are, you know, you were fighting, you know, a rival on the street, like a fist fight. This is like, you're messing with this is, child. Yeah. This is, you're messing with it's children. A violation. You're in a position of trust. You're a dean at a school. You're a leader at that school. An abuse of power. And you're, and you're, and you're supposed to be the one watching over and making sure that the minds of the future are in, in good hands. Right? Like, so that, that to me is really, really disgusting. And I think that we, we got to do better. We got to do better. And we got to expect more from our actual um, school officials and, and people that have access to our children. Um, so going on to our, uh, our other New York story, we're going to talk about Karina. Uh, Karina Vitrano. She was a victim of rape and she was murdered out in Queens. Yeah, she was murdered out in Queens. Um, and What year was that? I want to say it was 29... 20- 2016. 2016, okay. 2016, um, and, um, the, the situation is, is that the man that was accused, um, not accused, um, convicted of her, her sexual assault and, and murder, uh, he's trying to get appeal right now, and that man, Chanel Lewis, um, he's serving life, obviously, and his lawyers are arguing that there was a racial dragnet targeting black men before landing on him as a prime suspect. Additionally, that there was a tip coming in from the police department that said the police had focused on two jacked up white guys or they were looking for two jacked up white guys instead of a black person. But as the case went on and New York was a much safer place in 2016, people began began to get afraid and think, what if they they went in and they found a, a suspect? What's your take on that? Really? Yes. Mm. So initially, when I listened to it, I, it, you know, one of the things that comes out of living in a liberal place, like an ultra liberal place, which I do love because we have certain freedoms that, you know, that aren't in other places, but also there are, are you know, the cons. But the mental health issue is that normally what, what we hear talked about now is that, like, if you have mental health, you're, like, basically forgiven for doing heinous things. Um, and I just don't really buy into that. So, in this situation, um, the young the young man um, had mental health um, issues, and so they were basically saying that there is no possible way that he had been able to carry out this crime. And I didn't necessarily buy that because, like, just like being. Um, someone who's been around people with mental health issues, riding the subway. The, most of the people who do the crime, who push people in, they have mental health issues. So I thought that it was possible with the DNA being found that he actually was the individual who, you know, pulled off this heinous crime against this young woman. And I did, and I wasn't trying to make it about race because it didn't feel. I mean, like it was it a was. massive. I mean, you had Sharp, and you had a bunch of people come out. It, it, there was a, a large component of race in it. From the time they announced the man, whether or not you, you... Yeah, but like to me, it's like I don't like always bringing it into it because some of the times it's like it blows up in our faces in the sense it's like, okay, we're going to make this about race, but like if the dude is actually guilty though. 
I definitely get it, but you have to remember, like, and, and this is something that I guess, like, the New York that you came to when you got here was Bloomberg's New York, and it was a brand new New York, and a lot of things that, you know, and that was one of the reasons why I met you, was trying to say, you know, being on social media and saying, hey, there's two different New Yorks, there's three different New Yorks, and you guys have no clue as to what New York you're in. And granted, you were very aware of that because you were working in one of the other New Yorks, not the New York that you read about in news. And the places that are involved in this story are part of that other New York. Um, Karina Vitrano is from Howard Beach. And that's a predominantly, at that point in time, and still to this day, a very Italian-American neighborhood that happens to be in Queens. And it's separated by a park from East New York, which is a very black, working-class neighborhood. Um, very poor, And it has a, right. a pockets of very poor people at, in that neighborhood, very lower-income um, neighborhoods, Working like your, your NYCHA projects and stuff like that, like the pink houses, the Hollywood houses. Um, so... It's a tale of two cities just within that one other uh, city as well. Because Howard Beach has some mansions. It has some really nice homes. Um, some middle class homes. It's pretty much like a dream neighborhood for Italian immigrants in a lot of senses. Or, you know, the children of or the sec- third generation immigrants. It's a dream neighborhood for a lot of them that they would move to Howard Beach after living elsewhere. Um, not so much anymore, but for, the, for someone like... Katrina Vitrano's Karina, I keep on calling Katrina, but it's Karina Vitrano. Uh, her, her father, Howard Beach, might have definitely been a dream. So you have these two neighborhoods that are separated by this park, and that in itself, the control of the park and who should be in the park, is a racial issue. Okay. And that came up within the part of the story that isn't said, but it's there. Mm. And you might not be aware of it because, you know, you were working in a different really part. Not really my area, yeah. Yeah, a different part of the other parts of, of, of the city. But it definitely was a component. And, you know, when you look at it and they talk about jacked up guys, I think of, I think of one guy I know is jacked up that was involved in the case. And it was all over the case. It's a father. And he is the most wishy-washy, up-and-down guy that I've ever seen. So you're trying to say you're implicating him? I mean, it's really a weird story. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to go out and, you know, allege anything about the man as far as, like, specifics. But I just don't like his his behavior. And we know that fathers are capable of killing their entire family. So, what, you know, a daughter is not out of the, out of the picture. So, how... And I don't want to sound like a, a true crime guy, but... Yeah, no, it kind of sounds true crimey a little bit. But, I, I mean, I'm, I'm into it. Um, but that that's a very interesting, like, outlook. I mean... So you're saying that this young man who has these mental health issues may be in prison and may not have anything to do at all with this case. Well, I mean, it's not beyond certain actors within the police department. And Did they ever say what kind to fabricate of- evidence? Right. It's not beyond them, especially when you consider the person that they're, you know, potentially fabricating against is not necessarily all there. Right. It wouldn't take up. You know, what oh, let me, let, we need to take some samples from your arm or something like that. What kind of DNA did they say was found? I think it was under her fingernails. I, I'm not. Oh, okay. I, so I, can't, I don't have the everything what, up but in front of me, but it was what, under her fingernails. And she was sexually assaulted. I, right. I didn't mistake that. I thought that she was sexually assaulted. So they didn't find any kind of like. Right, but it there. wasn't a semen sample that they matched. Oh, I remember that okay. distinctly. Okay, so this is what I was operating under the assumption, sort of, that it sh- there had been semen DNA or something. But there was DNA under her fingertips, and they said it, it matched. It was his. His. Did he have scratches? No. Mm. 
I mean, he didn't have anything. There wasn't anything that was like, oh my god, like this guy, you know, this is the guy. And then when you look at it, she was a runner. She was in shape. She was like an Instagram. Fit- and he's a small boy. That was yeah, he's thing. a fitness yeah. chick. And this is a guy that he's 18, 19, but he's the size of a fourteen year old because he's to play devil's advocate though. I'll say like when you have mental health issues, and he was a grown man, right? He wasn't a a 14 year old he was like, an 18 year old boy but he i know he was scrawny but like men if you have mental men are stronger regardless i know people don't like to hear that nowadays but men have a stronger physical ability even sometimes like look we have a two-year-old <laughs> and he's freaking strong right definitely definitely um but but i still have to disagree with you because i understand where the roads are going down but ultimately i feel like yes he could be stronger than her and he could have overpowered her and when you have but i think health, that i think that the fitness factor of it like she definitely would have been able to like scratch his face to do more than and just And you're saying there are no scratches on his face. Right, there's nothing like that like to be like oh he really did this. I think that would have it wouldn't have necessarily been a fair fight because obviously there's a surprise factor and there's a whole other list of things like you know male strength and other things that would go into it. Maybe she's fatigued from from her workout cuz she was supposedly um jogging in the park and I say supposedly because everything that we know about her in her last few moments mm-hmm. comes from her father. Okay. And that's why... Oh, I, he was he was present? Is no, he wasn't present, but he's the one that reported her missing. Right. He's the one that, you know, knew where to find her body, where she'd be, and all these other things like that. Oh, yeah, so, that's a lot. Oh, wow. So, it's those kind of, like, things around it that are... that make me pause. Mm, yeah, that is... Well, you know, I you know maybe you've changed my opinion a bit about it because, you know, I've I was kind of... Uh, I mean, some of the times when you, you know, like when they kind of bring in the race, like you kind of, a lot of the actual specifics of the case got buried because it became like this race thing versus, okay, did he actually do it though? Um, so let's go ahead to our WTF news. Well, I, did I really change your mind on that one though? Was just... Like, I mean, I don't know if you changed my mind. I'm going to definitely be reading a lot more about it though. I uh, want to see, and I, obviously if a young man is in there and he shouldn't be. I hope that he gets the justice uh, to him. Um, but if he did it, then I hope he doesn't get out. Like, that just is how I am. Cut and dry. It's like, it's, got, it's really got nothing to do with race for me. Okay. From Florida. Florida man swipes nearly $11,000 worth of meats and ingredients from Tampa restaurant. A Florida man was caught in a camera ransacking a local restaurant storage area and stealing approximately $11,000 worth of meat and ingredients and it happens to be a Medita- Bayshore Mediterranean, Mediterranean Grill, a popular local restaurant there in Tampa. And there's surveillance video of the man, and he stole exactly $10,885. Nothing surprises me about anything people do in Florida. And, I, I tell you. I mean, to me, the biggest part of the story is that they're still looking for this guy. <laughs> they have his face. They have his face. And not only that, <laughs> they just need a teenage girl with social media and they will be able to find this guy. This guy had the best barbecue this weekend. For sure. He had the Like can I get a steak? Slamming shawarma. Can I get something (laughs) off the grill please? Uh, Just you know everything the kebabs Keep the pork. (laughs) I don't think I don't know if they had pork but he had the kebabs all the action on the grill that you could want Um, or he was selling the meat and obviously if you find out who had the popping barbecue or like someone that had like shawarma this weekend on the grill, we can get this guy, and it would be a 
15 minute investigation by a girl with a TikTok and IG account with some followers. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay, I see, I see. Well, I mean, he probably ate all the evidence. I mean, but he had to cook it, right? And you don't think he posted it? Like, I got the meat. He's like, everybody come through. We have. <laughs> we got we the have Ar- real, Arby's. Yeah, like, he, he probably we, sold that meat, honestly. You think he sold it? He's probably selling it right now out of his, like, uh, truck. Like, his, uh, <laughs> what are those things called? Like, yeah, the, uh, I mean, it happened. Today is the 24th, so I, I think the theft happened on the 21st or the 20th, so I don't, I wouldn't want that meat at this point. He probably put it on ice. Maybe, maybe. You know he put that on ice. He's up there serving it right now from his food truck. <laughs> All right. Maybe the guy does have a food truck. I don't know, but it's just an insane story. And I'm like, how do you make eleven thousand dollars from me disappear? And in today's social media age, and how you know brazen some criminals are. Look, I went through two coffees with you. You've had your coffee. Look, I think this episode is done. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We will be back tomorrow with another amazing episode of interesting topics and news, politics, and everything else. All right, y'all. Thank you.